Hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. I'm Oscar Brummel, and today my guest is Jonathan Cash of the infamous project Breakdancing Ronald Reagan and the newer, very, very harsh, crushing, serious project, Sunk Cost. I'm going to be giving away this Sunk Cost embroidered cap from Dada Drumming. There will be a post at the end of the episode to all heavy sponsors and Noise Fiend Patreons. And the first person who comments will get the hat sent to them. My hair is not too greasy right now. I've only worn it once, so it won't be too dirty when it arrives. Um, out today, there's also five new tapes on White Centipede Noise that are now available for order. They are uh, from Robert Fuchs, called Sunstroke, a split between Mott and Murmur, two Canadian projects, God Pussy, a really harsh Brazilian project, Viper, Noise Drone Weapon, that's Joe Romer of Macronympha on solo guitar. And the top secret tape, the top secret reissue tape, the Holy Grail that I've been warning you guys about these past few weeks is Jocuses, the SNSC years. This is the pre-Paranoid Time project of Pat Yankee. Um, this is really elite weirdo music. These are all up for sale right now at whitecentipinoise.com. I'll tell you guys more about what's going on uh, on the Patreon and so forth and so on after the episode. So for now, we'll get to Jonathan Cash. Please enjoy. Johnny Cash, hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for joining me. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit surprised you are presenting yourself so modestly. I was expecting perhaps a, well, a bathtub uh, full mean, of soup or something like that. Uh, or, I, or, listen, uh, if my apartment had the capabilities, we'd be there. <laughs> But also, I mean, you know, that's just the reality of, like, noise people or whatever. Like, I remember when I was, like, a kid in Houston, I was really scared of Richard Ramirez because he's just kind of... I just assumed meeting Richard Ramirez when I was, like, 15, I was like, oh, he's just going to, like, tie me up and beat me or something. Because <laughs> you know? he's got, you know, you, you take the aesthetic so literally and it's like Black Leather Jesus is this very, very Black Leather Jesus thing. Uh, and then there was a moment where I was like on a tour and stayed at his house and we're just like eating Chipotle on the couch watching squid billies. And I'm like, damn, this is just some guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it always is like. It's most people are just really. There's yeah. very, yeah, there's very few. Like, I feel like the crazier the project, the more like chill they seem to be like uh, Emil from cocky SP. You would think that guy's like a psycho. And every time I've been around him, he's like the most normal guy at the show. He's, I mean, I'm from Minneapolis, so I, kn I kind of know him, but I don't know him. Like I never, I never really saw him 
I mean, I saw him, but I never really talked to him or hung out with him, but he seemed pretty weird I, in real life. The only times I really interacted with him face-to-face, like, at length, is I did book him in Austin once for one of the 9-11 noise fests, and that was uh, probably, I think I got the worst cock ESP set that's ever happened. Uh, How so? Because <laughs> uh, it basically didn't happen. <laughs> okay. The, the gimmick was they brought only tiny gear, like those little Marshall battery amps and stuff. And the gimmick was like, everything's bigger in Texas. So they're just playing like a noise set using very tiny gear and they get it set up and sound checked. It sounds like shit. It sounds like hockey SP. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of feedback from like a tiny clip mic on a little piece of metal. Uh, and then Amo walks off stage for a sec to like grab a drink and then comes back and trips and falls on the table and just unplugs it all. <laughs> it was like, it's an accidental, like, oops. And then they spent like 20 minutes with no sound, just dismantling the venue PA while the sound people were just like staring angrily at them. And that was the set. I just got yeah. a silent cocky SP set where they just unplugged everything, <laughs> <laughs> which they, is fitting. They, I think. Yeah, it is. They, they probably got back in the car then like five minutes later and drove back to Minneapolis. Didn't they? I think so. Yeah. I don't think they like stuck around or like tore it down. They just came to play and then like left. I didn't even pay them. I wanted to. They just left. I was like, "All right, more more money for God." Who else played that year? <laughs> Satan's got Satan's God played that year. If you know that guy, no, insane. That was always what they did. They always they always like when they came to Milwaukee or something like that. They would just show up, or you know, I, I heard about, uh, I heard about them driving like way way further, like like twenty four hours, playing like a you know two minute set and then just driving back. That's like goat style. Goat will yeah. fucking goat will like he used to go on like tours or whatever and go play. Like, like he came and played the Bay area for like five minutes and just went back to Texas. I was just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay. So you are, you've been around to that sentence (laughs) in noise for a very long time for, for you've been, you've, you've been kind of a fixture in noise for, before since before I got interest involved, or yeah, interested next in year next year will be like the official twentieth year of breakdancing Ronald Reagan, which is just what the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> so 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 tell tell me about breakdancing dancing Ronald Reagan because like I said when I when I kind of discovered noise I saw the name around <laughs> a lot I don't think mm. I ever saw you play or heard any recordings back then but I but mm. I you know on the Tronics board like you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I knew who you were, but I didn't really know who mm-hmm. you were. But I, but I knew Breakdown Ronald Reagan was very active, very crazy, mm-hmm. um, and you're doing it still. And you know, we'll talk about it eventually. But you're also doing sunk costs, and that was an interesting mm-hmm. thing for me recently because not recently, but in the past few years, is like sunk costs is very different, at least mm-hmm. in how it's presented. Yeah, sunk cost is meant to be like just harsh noise. Like it's, it's like genre serious, music. But, but, yeah. I mean, the set can still be like fun to look at energetic, funny outfit, whatever, but like, there's not going to be any samples. There's not going to be, I, I just like, I want it to be aesthetic less basically. It's just noise for noises sake. And it's because breakdancing Ronald Reagan used to just be, you know, my whatever project, sometimes noise, sometimes whatever I felt like doing. And eventually that became more like performance oriented and the noise kind of took a back seat. And I was like, but I do, like making noise and i i felt like after doing so many like silly ridiculous breakdancing ronald reagan sets if i just show up in a fucking hoodie playing pedals people are gonna be like what the fuck 
So I was like, <laughs> I feel like there needs to be a project where it's like noted, like if you're coming to this show, I'm probably just going to be head down in front of a mixer, you know? Well, so what is Ronald Re- breakdancing Ronald Reagan all about? I have no idea. Uh, it's just me. Uh, it's because uh, it started when I was literally 14. That's when I started doing it. Uh, 33 now. And wow. it's just sort of followed whatever my tastes or interests are at the time. It started as cyber grind. I was just trying to do like electrocutioners, ganglia, that sort of like that MySpace what era. What cyber of, like, grind? Like Fruity Loops, uh, just digital grindcore, basically, okay. more or less. Like using little to no real gear because I was 14 and didn't have any and just sort of recording into my fucking, you know, computer mic or whatever, screaming over it. Uh, and that was just sort of, I feel like that was just kind of in style at the time. There was a million fucking, uh, I mean, there's still folks around now like Bubblegum Octopus and stuff, but there used to be so many projects that were just, let's open up Fruity Loops or like a MIDI player and just like make little like blast beats digitally and just yell. And that's what I tried to do. Uh, and then I discovered uh, I was bad at it. <laughs> I'm not much for programming. I don't really know music whatsoever. Like, mm-hmm. like I know a lot of noise people are like, Oh, but I also in the, in this band or I know how to play guitar. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do anything that isn't just like turn the loud button on or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I, at some point, at some point, I then decided I was like, well, it's still Cybergrind, but it's Noisecore, which was just my cop out way of being like, if it's shitty, that's on you, <laughs> the listener, you signed up. Uh, and I would just record into like, I would make like digital tracks on like Fruity Loops or whatever, but I didn't have a audio editor. I didn't really understand how those work. I still really don't. I'm still like using like Audacity and Goldwave for half my shit. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would just throw me to Microsoft sound recorder and just like, like, you know, the old little, like a little square that would come with like yeah. windows XP or whatever. And I would just like yell into my webcam mic into that. And then I would just keep clicking, like raise volume, 10%, raise volume, 10%, just keep doing that till it was like undiscernible, just like blown out shit. But that was just like the early days. I don't know. Um, when you started performing or when did it start becoming a performance oriented project? Cause that uh, seems to be a big, big pro- part of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the focus of it still to this day. Uh, partially just cause BRR recordings would have more like vocal oriented stuff. And I've always lived in places where I either can't do it or I just don't want, to. I don't want people to hear me screaming in my room or singing a pop song cover. You know, I like privacy. Yeah. I can yeah. do it on stage, but when it's at home with like headphones in and dead silence, it's a little embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> It's embarrassing on stage too, but in a fun <laughs> way. Um, at some point, I mean, my first show I think was 2006. Uh, I got on one of those terrible like battle of the bands where they like invite local artists to play, but it's really like, yeah, you can play if you sell 20 tickets. It's uh, <laughs> that sort of bullshit. Like a real you battle know? of bands, not like a noise battle of bands. No, no, this was at some fucking like just shitty club called like Java Jazz in like a Houston suburb. Huh. Okay. Uh, and I remember I just bought the tickets because I was like, oh, nobody's going to go to this. I was a dropout at the time, just like living at home, not in school, like 14 or 15. I was maybe almost 16 by then. But uh, yeah. I just bought the tickets with like whatever money I could come up with. And I just showed up, played for all of like 10 seconds, sounded like shit. It was just like I didn't understand how gear worked, but I thought in my head I was like, I got this. I know they got the contact mic. They got the delay pedal. They got the distortion. So I showed up with like 
a shaker of Dan Electro fab metal and like an Arion stereo delay. <laughs> so it just sounds like yeah. through a bunch of distortion, like analog delay noises. And I just like took out a package of, I had printed like breakdancing Ronald Reagan stickers. And the idea I was like, Oh, there's this big crowd of people who don't know what this is. They're going to hear this crazy noise and I'm going to throw my merch over the crowd. Uh, long story short, as most noise sets go that are new, it was not crazy noise. It was just kind of lukewarm and awkward that I took out. I took out the stickers, but it was like so hot in there. I was like sweating and they were just like a brick, like leaked and glued together. And I threw them and it just hit one person in the head and they asked me to leave. And that was the start of the show, the start of the live experience. What were you, what were you like envisioning or, or dreaming for with that? I mean, you wanted to, always make some sort of impression, but you know, you probably knew it was not a noise I, in the audience. Like, I, what, I what definitely would you kind of dream? Have, like, oh, they're going to be totally amazed. They're going to be freaked out. They're going to cry. I, like, think, what? I think I was thinking more freaked out. I think I was always, I mean, I was, you know, uh, ashamed to admit, but I was definitely a big, like anal cunt, GGM, whatever, that sort of shit. I loved, I mean, sure. as a teenager, I think every teenager, the more you tell someone it pisses people off, the more they like it. And I love shit like that. I wanted to really like push buttons and, you know, in my head, I was like, this is good. They're going to freak out. They're going to hear this mic feedback and they're just going to start running. And <laughs> instead they were just like, what, what is this? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so that was the beginning. Whoa. What about the, tell me about golden age. Breakdancing <laughs> or Ronald Reagan. What, what were you doing? Uh, you know, it's some someone point, saw you back then. At some point, like late, 2000s early 2010s i moved out to austin after kind of like i was homeless for a bit and like floating around in uh, central texas or houston and eventually moved out to austin like got a place uh and just started because you know austin that's kind of just live music capital whatever the fuck uh mm -hmm. so i just uh, started playing a ton out there and that was when it was more like i was definitely trying to be a cut up guy a little bit uh but usually it would be like let's do some cut up with some sort of my feeling like my use of vocals has always been a joke. Like some people think it sounds cool or whatever. But, like, first of all, I scream nothing. I'm just going like Cocteau twin style, just mouth sounds, uh -huh. things that sound like words that are just like, blah, 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 you know? Uh, and I always just thought power electronics was kind of funny. <laughs> like for the longest time, I, I swear people tell me they think I'm lying. Uh, for the longest time, I thought bloody minded was a parody. Yeah. And I, I thought it was so sick as a parody. I mean, I'm fine with it now, but as a parody, I was like, dude, you nailed it. <laughs> and then I like kind of got to know more about like Solotroff and I was like, oh, this is, he mean, he's like trying. Yeah. <laughs> this is deep yeah. art to this man. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I always added the vocals kind of as a joke, kind of as like a faux posturing. Uh, before there was like any nudity, the original version, I guess, of that would have just been, I always had the shirt off, sunglasses, kind of a fake, like I'm this angry power electronics boy. Yeah. And it would just be kind of like a mix of making fun of that, yelling over noise that I more or less was trying to make sound good. Uh, but then there would always be sort of a twist at the end of like throw on like a pop song, like suddenly mid noise set, Vanessa Carlton, a thousand miles cover happens or something just to kind yeah. of throw people off and cause I mean also cause I just like karaoke <laughs> karaoke is fun. <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of golden age. And I guess it's still that now I just add a little bit of like jerking off a of sandpaper at the end or something. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I've been seeing on the internet and stuff like lately, 
a lot of your current set. You're usually naked, right? Naked or naked-ish. Sometimes yeah. I, I feel like it ends in the same place, but it starts differently. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it starts misleading, or sometimes there's a costume or more of a uh, like the next set I'm doing. Spoilers for the two people that would give a shit. Uh, is gonna be like a fake out where I'm like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. I've grown up, and like I play like an ambient <laughs> set, but then mid ambient set, I get interrupted by what I call cowboy mode. And mm-hmm. once you go cowboy mode, you can't stop it. So yeah. I have to go cowboy mode, and that's <laughs> that'll be that. So you said you jerk off a of sandpaper, but isn't it, isn't it like I, I I do get the sense? Okay, you're obviously naked and doing like something like that, but I kind of also get the sense that it's not super sexual. Is that wrong? Generally not. No, um, like it's kind of innocent in some way. A little bit. It can be sexual. If that's funny enough, it's just comedy to me. It's funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's, uh, as far as like my personal tastes go, there's, I am a bit of an exhibitionist, obviously. <laughs> I don't think that's a shock, yeah. but uh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I made a tweet recently about this. It was, it's not that I jerk off to people watching my set. It's more that I just jerk off to my body being public domain. <laughs> When you're, but no, uh, when you're, the sets are definitely not meant to be like literally. I'm not carrying out a fetish. If there's any fucking jerking off, good. When I fucked the Sonic doll last year, that wasn't fun for me. It was just because <laughs> I could. I was like, I should do that. Well, <laughs> in, in doing all this, I mean, I've seen I've seen the photos, but there's always you know a little emoji or something like that covering your of course. Your dick. Um, are you like are, when you say you're jerking off or fucking something? Are you like actually? Are you actually doing that and like getting hard and like falling through, or is it just kind of like a symbolic kind of like like? It depends on the mood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, but <listen. laughs> uh, at the Sonic show, yes, which is why it was a bit of a long set because I was not. I looked at this crowd of like shitty crust punks in North Carolina, and I was like, "Y'all are not doing it for me." <laughs> but given enough time, it happened, and so yeah, that one was a, a boner set. No, I didn't like fucking jizz in the Sonic doll. Which is funny because that's the first thing after the set. I thought people would be mad. Like I was like, man, maybe that, maybe I went too far with that. Like I gave a warning, like, hey, this is gonna be vulgar, etc. But still, you know, some people don't want to see that. And the rest of the show wasn't like that. And I was like, damn, I'm gonna do this set and then walk off stage, and someone's gonna be like, you need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And the first thing that happened after I played is I walk off stage and these two kids come up to me. They're like 19. I don't know who the fuck they were. Oh wait, no, there's the kids from Nashville. They're called White Corset. They walked up to me and they were like. Did you come in the Sonic doll? And I was like, what, the fuck? what a what a question, uh, what a scenario of vision. Now the sandpaper, I would say that was just an extreme halfy at best because spoiler alert it doesn't feel good. Yeah, jerking really- <laughs> yeah. off with sandpaper uh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of reactions do you get from people? Because I mean, obviously, there's the kind of standard tropes of mm-hmm. extreme performance art or or power electronics which can really upset people and they can be of really course. like offended yeah. or like like you know do that you get that surprise you get that kind of reaction or do you I mean kind of I kind of feel like you're you're performing to people who aren't going to be offended by you but might be offended by like other types of content I don't know I think so yeah I think people most of my shows have been with people who already knew what the deal was and people who know me, so it's been fine. Really, the only negative reaction I got is one that I just take negatively, which is I've had people tell me, like, 
like, oh, that was funny. You're really trying to like shock people. It's like Gigi Allen of noise or whatever. And I'm like, first of all, Gigi Allen should have been making cooler music. Uh, that is a, that is an aside. But when I realized he was around in like the '90s and just sounds like fucking shitty old punk, I was like, man, this guy's kind of sucks, actually. Yeah. Why didn't he like? <laughs> why didn't he sound cool? Uh, <laughs> but also, like the the goal is definitely not to like hurt anyone's feelings. If anything, old stuff I did, I was way more into like trolly teenage 4chan behavior. And I feel like as I've grown, first my reaction was like, "Breakdance Ronald Wayne's dead." I'm just I'm too mature for this. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to be the edgy guy. But at some point, I was like, I do sort of, sort of still have that in me to just kind of be a shit, be a shithead, you know? So I was like, maybe the joke just needs to turn on me. And so usually the person getting hurt, person embarrassing themselves, whatever, is me. And that's kind yeah. of the goal. Like, I'm not trying to shock anybody. I don't want anybody to leave the room being, like, disgusted. Uh, it's more just like, I'm just, after years of being a fucking jokester on the internet, I'm like, it's, let's just hurt me only now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do want people to like it. I Generally, my idea is I just want people to walk away, not saying the set was great or bad, but saying, like, fuck, I'll never see that again. Like, yeah. how many other shows are you going to go to where a guy's, like, jerking off a of sandpaper, you know? <laughs> I just want to create that little moment for someone where they can just say, like, yeah, you know, in 2023, I saw this crazy thing. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. That's really all I want. Well, what's it sound like sonically? Because, like I said, like, the sunk cost stuff I've heard is like really really good like fast <laughs> almost japanese style cut up harsh noise like that's i mean Which that's what all kind of what like, my taste is like yeah and that was kind of like what surprised <clears> me not just cuz i was like i saw some sunk cost stuff coming out several years ago i think on like idiopathic or or monorail yeah. and oh yeah i, I got a shout out to Kieran Aurora for that i don't think sunk cost would really be a thing if it wasn't for Kieran because when I told cool. Kieran from Idiopathic that I was going to do that, he was just like, I'm in. Like, give yeah. me your material and put out yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. three or four things in mine. Yeah, and I heard it and I was like, oh, this is like, <laughs> this is like really solid fucking razor sharp harsh noise. And it was like, and then I read like some liner notes and it was like, Johnny Cash, also known as Breakdance and Ronald Reagan. I was like, Breakdance yeah. Ronald Reagan? Like, I remember that name. Like, what mm. the fuck? That's that same dude. It's like, <laughs> Yep. What does Breakdancing Ronald Reagan sound like? Uh, I mean, it still like? can be noise. I would say the noise takes a backseat most of the time. And even when it's like, it's, I mean, I joke about like, oh, the only thing I know how to do is hit the loud button. Obviously, I know a little bit about how to make noise the way I like For to, sure. hopefully. Yeah. But with Breakdancing Ronald Reagan, I hit the loud button. The noise yeah. is almost, the noise is the punchline, really. Because okay. noise is kind of funny and fun as a concept. Like, the fact that we like this, the fact that we're doing a fucking podcast about is crazy. Like, about just, like, in the red, white noise through fucking death metal pedal or whatever. That's kind of funny. <laughs> and so a lot of times that is the joke. It's just sort of, like, I, I exaggerated motions and I unmute the channel and it's just like, and that's kind of it. And I'm just screaming, freaking out over it. But there's still some BRR sets will have more of a cut-up element. Uh, it's just usually lost in the visual aspect of whatever I'm doing. That tends to kind of take hold, obviously. Yeah. It's kind of where my focus is. If you're co getting covered in mustard, jerking off or something, it's hard to play your gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, mean, I have been. I did get a chaos pad recently for that reason because I figured out I used to have one and I never tried this, but 
sold it, and then years later I wanted to buy one, and I was like, couldn't you just play that with your dick? And you can. <laughs> so there will be times. Usually what I do is I'll cover Freak on a Leash by Corn, and then during the scatting part, I just take the huh? chaos pad out and just play little fucking dick white noise sounds off of it. You have and done that already. Right. I have. Dick. Okay. Uh, oh, several times. I'll be yeah, doing it cool. again shortly, I'm sure. <laughs> that's that's like the that's the solo now. That's <laughs> this episode of White Cinepy Noise Podcast is brought to you by Divine Severance and Willing Victim Distro. Divine Severance is a label releasing noise, power electronics, and drone, amongst other genres, always striving to delve further into the underground. Willing Victim is a major source of noise distribution in Australia working with the best labels the world has to offer. When I was getting ready to interview you, and I I posted on the, the White Sand of Noid Discord, um, mm-hmm. you know, interviewing Johnny Cash soon, and have any questions for him, a lot of people kind of reached out. I mean, a couple of questions, which I'll get to later, but a lot of people just kind of commenting, like, really, mostly very positive things, saying, like, you know what, Johnny is like, the reason I got into noise. I've, I've heard that a lot. I, yeah, I will he's say, like, I he will was, say he if, was, some, he was if the I one find out someone doing shows, if I find out someone's a break dancing, Ronald Reagan fan though, red flag instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I trust you. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of people like, yeah, he got, he, he was the guy in Austin back in the day. And you know, he, I do noise because of him or, you know, directly, directly correlated with that. Um, And a lot of people had very positive things to say about that. Honestly, a lot of people also had some things. It seems like everyone brings up like, yeah, no, he's, I know some people have, (laughs) (laughs) I know he's got a hard, he's kind of hard to get along with her. I know he's what I know he's kind of hard. Like, like, I don't know. You watched, uh, if you watched the one with, um, uh, Henry the other day, he's like, say what you will about him, but like, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely I'm both uh, disappointed and proud that I think that will forever be my lineage, is that I'm the guy who the sentence about me begins with, say what you will about him, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, why is that? Why, what, what, why would people say something about you? What well, is it? To be fair, first and foremost, it's because I started when I was a teenager and everything a teenager says is stupid. Uh, <laughs> there's no smart teenagers and especially I was a teenager of the early millennial era where like we started on forums and things were a lot more anonymous it was more like I think we didn't understand in the early aughts that later we our digital footprint would just be life you know what I mean yeah. so I didn't set a lot of things because I was like 15 and I just could you know I'm like oh this account at Breakdance Ronald Reagan like that's not me that's just me on the internet I can just be an asshole for fun or whatever yeah. I can just decide like write a random person be like fuck you your project sucks not knowing <laughs> that, that later all oh god all the time <laughs> to be fair so did everyone else this is my big defense especially the tronics era uh-huh. is i was a shithead on tronics i was terrible i was 14 you know how old every other shithead on tronics was like 30 <laughs> Like, they should have known better. That's all I'm saying. They were the adults there. They should have been like, I'm. what if I don't respond to the teenager? Yeah. Like, I got into it with, like, Wolf Eyes back in the day. I'm not going to elaborate on that one. That one's too controversial. But <laughs> at the end of the day, my statements on all that is like, yeah, I was an asshole. But also, Nate and crew should have been like, 
oh wait, I'm arguing with a child. Let's just yeah. not respond to him. Yeah. <laughs> like generally if I'm walking down the street and a, like a high schooler says, Hey, you're gay. I'm not going to be like, I got to debate this kid. I yeah. got to tell, I got to, I got to give him my point. <laughs> so I'll just be like, damn, that teenager is annoying and walk away. So you were like starting, you were like talking shit to people basically. Yeah. I mean, I was doing it. I think I, I thought I was being funny, but obviously the joke was not, uh, the joke doesn't work both ways. It was just funny to me, <laughs> but also I was going through a lot in that time. I was like a teenage runaway. I was a homeless yeah. for a while. Uh, sure. my mental state was not great. Uh, not that it's the best now, but at least I'm like medicated. Yeah. So, you know, I've always yeah, been like, yeah. super manic depressive and like emotional and just sometimes I'll really, if anything, I've always told people, it's like kind of a side effect of anxiety that I always fear everyone hates me. Uh, and it sort of developed over time that my response to that fear is like, well, they can't hate me if I hate them first. Right. So I'd be like, I think all these people who meet me are going to make fun of me. So I'm going to make fun of them. You know, that was sort of my line of thinking before I was medicated was lash out first, because then it's like, you're not hurt when they lash out at you. It's like, I started this. Fuck you. You know? Right. Yeah. That's getting on top of it. But in reality, everybody probably was just like, who's this new kid? He seems nice. (laughs) Fuck you, asshole. (laughs) Fucking Aaron Dillaway. More like Aaron. What did I post? I posted more like Aaron Dillhole gay. I said that. (laughs) I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever come up with. And he was just I just I remember him replying. He was just like. What the fuck is what? <laughs> he was just mystified, not even insulted. It was like one time one. in Austin, one time I was walking through downtown Austin and like, there's something about an insult that's not a deep cut that cuts deeper because you don't know what to do. When someone drive like some shitty Texan drives by me in a truck and calls me like a slur or something, says I look gay or whatever, that I'm just like, that's so, that it's so clear that guy's an asshole that I'm just like, he doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But one time I was walking through downtown Austin and this guy just stopped with his friends, looked me up and down. And he said, you look like a fucking dork, man. And I was like, damn, that hurt. I don't know what That's to do hurtful. with that. <laughs> I like, yeah. I don't, he really like, he felt that when he said it. It wasn't cruel. It was just like, I got to tell you, man, you look like a fucking dork. I was like, damn it. Yeah. You win. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's not nice. That's, that's, that sucks. Um, <laughs> have, have you like, have you, patch things up with people that you had those kind of uh, yes and no i mean obviously i was on noise extra recently and gray is literally the man who banned me from the forum so <laughs> i think we're good uh uh actually that the first time i met gray in person was hilarious because i went i was on tour and it was my first time in la and we stopped by it's now closed but vacation vinyl where gray used to work uh, which, you know, a uh, record store that had some cool shit. I think I picked up like a random torturing nurse tape there or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just remember this guy who was there with us, like a local friend, was like talking to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, Johnny, you know, you know who works here? That guy from the Tronics board. You should say what's up. And I just, you know, I assumed I didn't remember what he looked like. I assumed he probably wasn't like literally working that day, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy hates me. He banned me from his forum. And then, like, the guy behind the counter looks up and he says, yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> that was our first, like, official meeting. And I think we're on good terms now. I think I think, I think Gray's fine with me. We had yeah, a moment at the fest I booked last year because I booked him as Black Sand Desert at that. Yeah. And he was like, Johnny, are we just, like, friends now? And I'm like, I, yeah. fuck, man, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> and I don't think, like... I don't think Phil ever gave a shit about the Tronics board at the admin side. I don't think he ever cared about like anyone's behavior, but as far as I know, Phil doesn't 
hold any ill will to me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> if anything, cool. the bigger problem is a lot of people like me for that shit. And that's where, like, when I'm joking about liking me being a red flag or whatever, that's the shit I'm like, no, you shouldn't like, like you're wrong. That is a bad take if you like that. <laughs> Like I played INC in 2020 in Miami, the International Noise Conference or whatever. And this guy, I'm like in line for the bathroom before I realized the bathroom was a different room and it was the Coke room, but that's a whole other Miami yeah. Miami problems. Yeah. Uh, and this guy is like standing next to me in line and he's, I don't, I don't even know who it was, but he was like, hey, are you, are you Charlie Cash? Are you Breakdancer already? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, you're a legend, man. And I'm like... <laughs> Cool, thank you. That shit you said on the internet back in the day, you like to fuck with people. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be known as that professional fucking internet troll or whatever. But that's you know. funny. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean that that also reminds me, like on when when uh, Matt Betke and and Justin were on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like talking about how some like really preppy guy was like mm-hmm. in the store wearing like a salmon polo or something like that, and just kind of like they were like. About to ask him like if maybe he was like in the wrong spot. In the wrong store, yeah. And he like pulled up a CDR. He's like, "Fucking breakdancing Ronald Reagan or something." Yeah. And they were like, "Whoa, shit!" Like, I actually asked Becky about that because I was like, "Who was that guy?" I go further my point about it being a bad look to be a fan of me. He was like, "Oh, it's this guy on Twitter. He's like an incel guy with a bunch of followers." And I was like, "No, <laughs> I hate that. Don't let him buy my tapes. Tell him no." <laughs> That's funny. I don't understand how you're an incel. When I was like 14, I was like homeless and not showering and had like two internet girlfriends. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, how are these people not getting laid? Yeah. You see my noise set? <laughs> if I can pull it off, anyone can. Overthinking it, I think, maybe. Well, they're just creeps, yeah. Yeah. In reality. Um, yeah, it is an interesting thing. Like, I've kind of had a similar experience. I don't really remember you back in the day being like a particular troll i mean i don't really remember maybe you were banned by the time i was on the i think so <laughs> i think that's what yeah i think so. i think that's what it was because i saw your i feel like i just saw your name on a lot of like shows like it was like mm-hmm. but i don't think i remember seeing you post ever so maybe you were banned by the time i was on the on the board but but it is I, interesting. I, when i started doing shows too that's when the hard reality hit of like you can't behave that way like if yeah. I want people to come to my show, I can't fucking tell them I hate them beforehand. Like, <laughs> not good marketing. So, I, me and forums is like, it's like someone who used to be an addict being around that substance. It's like, I'm just like, I can't, I can't. Like, they, yeah. someone invited me, I think it was you invited me to the Screaming Ride forum that was made right. like a year or two ago. And I was just like, that's going to unlock something deep in me that can never <laughs> come back. So, uh, <laughs> I stayed away. Yeah. That's respectable. Um, but, it is cool. I mean, I think it is cool. Like, that is one cool thing about like the the, the modern age, with you know Instagram and and you know like mm. YouTube and stuff like that. Whatever. Like, it is cool. Like for me, for example, to see you just like just following like, you on social media. Like, mm. I've known a breakdance like Ronald Reagan since back in the day. I knew you were kind of like a controversial guy. Blah blah. blah. Yeah. And then like now like here you are in the flesh and like your face and what you're doing now and like seeing you. Yeah. I'm just some guy. <laughs> just some guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. What's that? I just work from home at a call center. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so like I said, the, the people kind of talked about you being someone who was very kind of supportive and influential <laughs> in, in Austin. I mean, in I early- do support in general. I want to book new projects and meet new people and stuff. Like I try to, 
I think I jokingly gatekeep a little bit with like, I don't know, like the techno guys or whatever, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, like I'm down for any new project to come my way. It probably will be booked. Yeah. But what was it that made you be the guy who does, who books stuff? Because I mean, that's a, that, what motivated you to be the guy who's, who's kind of oh, carrying Austin the weight? Because that's, that, that always, that, <laughs> that's always like one person or two people that does that. It's a uh-huh. thankless job. And a lot of people just don't do it. A lot of people are just like, well, I'm just going to play shows yeah. or I'm going to just, you know, kind of like, not that is a bad, it's not a bad thing, but you know, have a more passive role in like, Mm-hmm. And you seem to be kind of the one who took the reins and like, hey, I'm gonna make shows. You know, your festival. I want to hear about that. Like, what what motivates you to do that? Uh, I I mean, partially because Austin sucks, and I moved there, and I knew of a lot of cool noise projects. I knew about like Dromez stuff like that, but nobody was doing anything. There was like a show a year when I first kind of came around and started hanging out, uh, and so I was just like, well, I want there to be more shows, so I'm gonna book them. Uh, but also, I mean, of course, there's just like when somebody starts a label, there's sort of generally a self-serving element that I was like, there needs to be more shows. And especially there's be more shows with me on them. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of like begging to hop on every bill I saw posted, I was like, why don't I just book a show with me and my friends or whatever? Yeah. And that just sort of evolved over time. And I made good connections, started sort of off the books, working at some places like Club 1808 rest in peace that was a good spot <laughs> they put up with a lot of bullshit i know i didn't understand their rules at club 1808 they never they only cracked down on me one time uh and i did a lot of stupid shit there i, I obviously that's just kind of i think my i think i'm known for that at this point making a mess breaking shit whatever uh but one one year of sucks by sucks west the fest i used to do every south by i booked i mean among other things i booked lisa carver from suck dog who did an all comedy set no music and it was just her like it was like a comedy cover set and she was just covering uh all on stage meltdowns by comedians including the one the michael richards one oh <laughs> and club 1808 was an all-black club except like me occasionally helping with sound so i was very nervous about that uh and then also eugenics council played which you know they're called eugenics council that's already enough I should have known better than <laughs> But then on top of that, obviously, there was, like, a literal mushroom cloud explosion in the middle of the room of, like, gunpowder set on fire. They were chucking the venue's chairs at people. I mean, they were they were in such a, like, rowdy mood that year, particularly that, like, Shane from uh, Two Dead Sluts was playing with them on that tour. And when they showed up to Austin, Shane already had a broken arm just from, like, not a show. He just got, like, too drunk at a bar and, like, picked a fight with someone and, like, broke his arm. Yeah. <laughs> so they show up with casts. I remember Dustin from Eugenics Council was like, hey, man, uh, I just want to ask if this is cool. We're all licensed gun owners, and sometimes things get out of hand. Uh, is that a problem? And I said, only if you tell me. Because yeah. <laughs> when the cops show up, we didn't have this conversation, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, so it's like we got literal explosions from, like, gun- did, they, did, they use, did they use guns during their set? No, but I think their idea is, well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 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 I think it was mostly they were worried that like maybe there would be less of a police issue as much as there was just like someone was going to try to like beat them up or something. Uh, okay. And, you know, they wanted to start all the shit, but they didn't want to deal with it. So they're like, if someone actually is mad at us, get away from me. <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, so it's like I got these gun carrying explosive eugenics guys uh, and then I've got like this older white lady just literally quoting Michael Richards on stage. So you would think 
You would think that's what I got in trouble for. One of those two things. That night, the only thing I got in trouble for is this guy, Jim, uh, baptizer played, and he threw meat everywhere during his set, and some of it got on the walls and chipped the paint. Uh-huh. And the owner was like, Johnny, nah, like, you can't be chipping the paint here. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was also the paint job was not good. Anyone who's sure. been there would not say that it was known for its nice uh, interior aesthetics. So I was like, you're, really, you're mad about that? Dude, there was a mushroom cloud in here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was just a proxy. It was a a proxy. And I do kind of want to slightly elaborate on that as an aside. I do want to say I just described a lot of edgy, horrible behaviors that I enabled. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to do that now, first of all. (laughs) I think as I've grown up, I'm like, damn, that is not what I want my name attached to. I do not want Johnny Cash Presents Michael Richards cover set to ever happen again. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, I just was doing it because... Back then, this was like Obama era. Uh, Austin's a very like gentrified, neoliberal, expensive tech industry place. Yeah. And at the time, I felt like the breaking of the status quo was like, let's say things people don't like. Let's be, you know, on PC or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, as times have changed, I've sort of moved away from that because I'm like, oh, no, to be politically correct is just to be like super racist and shitty. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I was, I thought I was breaking the mold of like, fuck all these like wealthy Austin white people. Let's piss them off. But now I'm like, oh no, no, all the wealthy white people they love being mean. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> so what sure, if sure. I'm just not an asshole? Yeah. But that year was particularly popping off. Oh, the Rita played that year too. That was good. That was a That's good year. Cool. There, oh, David Liebehart and James Qual too. That was an insane show. David Liebehart and James Qual from Tim and Eric they played that one too. Oh wow. Insane night. <laughs> One of those fucked up fests I've ever booked. Crazy. Well, because I knew David's backing band because they used to play my birthday every year and they're just like, they're all nice. I mean, David's on another planet, metaphorically, maybe literally, but <laughs> that was the first time I met James Qual and I just like, he never broke character. I don't know if it is a character because like, I'm outside talking to their like tour manager, paying them the like however many hundred bucks they wanted for to play. And James walks by with like a, he's got a little drink and his a little whiskey or something. And I'm like, oh hey James, are you having you having fun? You having a good time? And he's like, well, you know the Irish they love their whiskey and just walks away. And I was like, yeah, it's you're not on stage, man. Just talk. <laughs> <laughs> you could just be James. You don't have to do a qual bit right now. But he just I don't think that I don't think a non James qual James qual exists. How what was that that fest all about? Are you still doing that? I mean. I mean, obviously you're not doing that anymore, but you, you're not an awesome, but I mean, like, <laughs> what was the, the concept of that? And how long did that run? Uh, Sucks by was about, it was five years. And then I took a year off and brought it back one more time. So I guess I did six of them. Uh, it was just, you know, South by Southwest is a big music festival in Austin. That's big, progressively shifted from a local community thing to being fully corporate, expensive, mm-hmm. whatever Lady Gaga on the Doritos stage, that sort of shit. So, you know, everybody in Austin, I'm not the first by a long shot to be like, I'm going to do a free anti-South by Southwest Fest. Uh-huh. And I'm, I was number 268 to be like, I got this idea. It's going to be a South yeah. by Southwest Fest, but it's free and it's anti-South by Southwest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought. And I just Were there any others named that? Same thing? Did you ever come across one of the uh, same names? Oh, well, not Sucks by Sucks West, but there was Fuck by Fuck You. There was like a queer <laughs> event called Gay by Gay Gay. Uh... Stuff like that. I, yeah. Every everyone at some point wakes up in Austin is like, I've got an idea for a South by Southwest parody. <laughs> it's just like a rite of passage. 
as um as a performer who does like naked and fluid oriented performances mm-hmm. have you ever collaborated with others who do because i mean there's similar type i mean i'm not saying there is I, but i feel like it's, i, I want to say like i feel like it's a, it's a tradition like it's not like mm-hmm. it's a tradition i think you know you mentioned Gigi Allen. I mean, I think he's probably one of the. Unfortunately, main... that's everyone's big reference point. But which I mean, I'm always there... like, "Yo, John Luis Costas." That's a bigger reference point. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I love Costas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Have you have you collaborated yeah. with with other with other artists that kind of have a similar style uh, performance, or do you ever beef Not... with them? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, to either, but we'll see. <laughs> the thing is, this I only really started going full fucking full cowboy mode or whatever, like the last couple years. Okay. Which was really because of like COVID and stuff. I feel like after COVID, sort of like the, you know, show started coming back or whatever, uh, I had this sort of my feeling at the time. Like if you had asked me in like 2019 to do a set like I do today, I would be like, no, that's like putting too much out there. What if people are upset about it? What if people don't like it? But I think the thing I realized is like literally overnight, all shows and like live appearances just disappeared for almost two years. And I was like, what if that happens again? What if it happens again and it's more permanent this time? What if I die during it and I don't get to do every little stupid idea I've ever had? So I've just sort of come to realize like, I'm just going to do it now while I can, Mm -hmm. you know, and just say, fuck it. Because also, COVID also kind of taught me that, like, and I mean this in a good way, none of this matters, really. Like, at the end of the day, the fact that, like, me and another noise artist don't like each other or someone doesn't like my set doesn't really matter if all shows are banned and there's, like, a global pandemic killing millions, you know? Uh, So I was like, why don't I just do, put it all out there, do whatever I want to do, because whatever consequence isn't as bad as, like, not doing what I want to do. Basically, Mm -hmm. not being able to like express myself, do my silly little set or whatever. Like, I would rather do that and take the risk of it. But, but that being said, no, I have not worked enough with people that I want to yet. I'm still kind of getting there. Uh, Obviously, I just haven't been traveling a ton because of work too. That's a big part of it. Uh, I did do a thing. I did sort of the opposite of what you're saying once, though, which was pretty good. Last year, I played with uh, Pat Merch, uh, Sisters. Mm -hmm. If you know that project, yeah. Uh, we did a set together and he was in the middle of moving and like had all his stuff kind of packed up in fucking garbage bags and shit, you know? And he was just like, for, we came up with like for the set, I progressively keep stripping as he keeps adding more clothes. (laughs) So by the end, he's wearing like six coats and I'm naked and we're both just hitting death metal pedals and shit. (laughs) And I thought that was, I thought that was good. If anything, I like that even more than playing with someone who's as fucked up as me. I like the idea of, I, I like, I, I want someone to be like drab and boring and be my straight man, so to speak, you know, like a comedy duo or some shit. You have done. I do I mean- really want, I do want, and this, I have not pitched it to him yet. I really do want to just do, cause you know, the Rita likes to fucking amplify the girl's tights, whatever. Uh, oh my God. Speaking of funny just tangent for a sec. When I booked him in Denver last, he asked me if I could go to the Denver school of ballet and ask for used shoes for him. That's maybe the worst request I've ever received. I was like, Sam, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Did you do it? Uh, 
Uh, no, I did. I did not do that. <laughs> I think I just took him to a TJ Maxx and he bought some tights on sale. I was like, dude, that's what you're getting. <laughs> he was like, can you ask any women to bring tights? Can you get these shoes? I'm like, no, I, it's just not a good look for me as being the guy like, hey, any you guys have any like fine ladies out there got used clothing to give me? <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's like, uh, but I have always wanted to pitch an idea that's just like, a Rita set, but the sound source is just like me jerking off or something just to see how far he's willing to go with his own like weird sex pervert bullshit on top of mine. <laughs> you I could, feel like he would do it. He might. Well, I don't know about jer- well, me. Who knows? Well, it's not like he's jerking me off. He's just playing. No, no, but I mean, pedals. if you incorporated <laughs> maybe ballet or, or nylons, I mean, I was really, well, maybe I, really I wouldn't wear nylons. Well, I really want to get the release shoes. from him. I, I don't have a, a, a release where he, took ballet classes himself yeah i've heard about yeah and I, like, I love that mike his legs or something like that and there's like a photo mm. like the fo- the back covers like his legs like in ballet yeah, yeah, yeah it's awesome and i'm I like love that that's shit. fucking awesome like i, I would hate love noise that's like trying to be like porn or sexy or edgy or whatever but like with sam you just know it's like no nah, that's just sam like yeah. you'd be doing that if no one was watching you know and that's yeah, why sure. it makes me like it more <laughs> That's cool. That's um, yeah. But I mean, you have you have done some, I'm sure, quite a few collaborations with other people. But you have collaborated with the sure. Rita, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just like a noise set. That was just yeah. like, I think the only funny thing I did is this was in the era of like dabbing being a big thing, not weed dabbing, but the other dab. And I was like, I'm just gonna do a serious noise set with the Rita, but at some point, I'm just gonna like hit the dab. And I did that, and everyone just started cracking up during, like, an otherwise serious set. <laughs> but I feel like you're the only one who could – he must have some sort of respect for you because, like – He think, seems to like me. I don't know. I don't know. think anyone else – I was surprised. I don't think he would, like, do that kind of collaboration with another kind of, like, silly – I can't imagine. Yeah, I don't person. know. I don't, I've never seen that from him, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think kind of, it's just like, he does like the actual noise stuff he's seen me or heard me do. And I think that's obviously the main barrier for entry with him and with a lot of people, but I don't know. He's a pretty funny guy. I've had some funny times. We ordered the same chicken crispers at Chili's together. You know, we've got, we got more in common than you'd think. (laughs) Yeah. He fucking, okay. This is a story I'm sure he would hate just because it's so dumb, but my favorite Rita story because uh, this is now a Rita podcast, <laughs> is uh, he when he stayed with me in Denver, me and Tyler uh, blind date. Uh, we were we got we got like some McDonald's delivered or something, and we had like a, like a twenty piece nugget or some shit. And you know we were sharing it with him and my my ex wife and stuff. But at some point there was one singular nugget left, and I just like I was full. Everybody was fine. We kind of just forgot it was there. And then Sam did this move where he's just like he looks down at the. At the bowl, and he's like, <laughs> "I was like, motherfucker, took the last nugget. You didn't even ask. You just took it." <laughs> I was like, "You gotta ask. You gotta say, yo, you having the last nugget?" But that's Sarita, man. He's the star. You know, he gets he gets the last nugget. I would have let him have it. Yeah, but he, he. It's not that he didn't ask. It's that he knew he could. He should. The looking back and forth. I'm like, you knew you should just ask. Man. <laughs> You can have the final nugget. You've earned it. <laughs> um, who, who have been some of your? Wait, no. Okay, so I keep I keep kind of getting distracted from the the question about your 
encouraging of other people. No, no, I didn't. We, we, <laughs> I mean, we kind of addressed it. I just started talking about Club 1808 because that yeah, was yeah, a central, no, we, we talked about that, but, uh, that was but a central who, venue of that. Yeah. Who might be some people that, um, you know, influenced you or had a positive, had a oh my God, positive so role on, on you. You're getting involved in noise early in the day. I mean, you're obviously very uh, online early as a young kid, but who are, you know, who are some of your kind of, What's funny is the one who influenced me most I've never spoken to. I think he's even like maybe Facebook friends with me, but I know nothing about him and I've just never really felt the need to engage. But my like my trajectory with noise, experimental music, whatever, was like I was a metal kid completely. I was into like metal, death metal, grindcore, etc. Like to me, when I first heard noise, I was like, this is the logical next step. I thought like music needs to keep getting heavier. And so I was like, damn, this gore grind ain't working anymore. Like I need some stronger shit. And, and honestly what happened, I mean, I knew about like Merzbow and stuff pretty early because like, you just kind of, of course you do, you know, like, and I was into like relapse records. So I knew about him from there, but I don't think my head fully like wrapped around what it was or why to enjoy it until one day I was just on soul seek back in the day, just downloading. I was just searching for any band with anal in the name. Cause there's so many, and anal, anal kind, anal blast, anal masker, anal mayonnaise, anal sperm shit was the one I found. And I was like, oh, this anal sperm shit, that's probably another like grindcore band, noisecore, whatever. That's going to be cool. I like that stuff. And it was just like the shittiest raw home recorded noise, just like screaming in a computer mic with like white noise in the background. And that was like the moment I was like, I like noise. Yeah. <laughs> I've never even talked to the guy. I don't know anything about him. He seems pretty whatever. I think he's into like oh, you mean wall that, now. Which, that was his project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just some guy, some random internet noise guy I happened to run into, and that was, like, not my first noise, but that was the one that was, like, it connected with my teenage noisecore edgy boy yeah. brain with the funny name or whatever, and I was like, oh, yeah, why do we need guitars and drums? That's stupid. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. just get to the good part where yeah. it's loud. <laughs> uh, cool. That was a big one. And then, yeah, of course, then I sort of heard things like Japanese-American Noise Treaty... Uh, Giro Gary Gigage and Hannah Tarash were big ones for me, both on a performance and sound level. Yeah. Uh, I also liked Negative Land a lot, and obviously that's influenced like my humor. I think maybe honestly, I should give the most credit to Kaki SP because they did a split with me when I was like fourteen, very oh. new to noise, and obviously they kind of represented everything I really like took to in noise: the humor, the absurdity of it all, the ridiculous performance. The audio just being, you know, just pure trash, loud, good noise, you know. Yeah. Uh, they they did a split with me when I was like 14, uh, which they really shouldn't have. My material was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I probably, it's funny because our paths haven't crossed a ton. We've only played a few shows together, but like that probably is the one. That's probably the one, like the bigger name that really like pushed me to be like, oh, this is what I do now. Like, this is serious. I should I should invite Emil on the podcast. You should, yeah, he's great. Or get fucking, um, really Jason Wade would be funny. <laughs> you know, uh, wait, no, he he lives in San Francisco, right? Or in Oakland? I think so. Yeah, I haven't like run into him in years, but Jason Wade, yeah, I should be, invite him. He'd I mean, awesome. I don't really know him that well, but he's like the personality of the more modern era cocky SP. I feel like he's the crazy one. That he's would awesome. be a great guest. I love yeah. him. Uh, I should also just give a shout out to General Texas Noise. Obviously, yeah, yeah, growing yeah. Up in, growing up in Houston with like Black Leather Jesus, Concrete Violin, Rusted Shut. Obviously, that was kind of what really made it like a big deal to me. 
is like discovering this genre and within a few weeks discovering like not only is there a community in the city I grew up in, but like it's one of the better communities. Yeah. Like really prime era, Houston noise, TEF, concrete violins, Ava, yeah. all of them like insane. Uh, Rotten Peace, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I don't think, I don't think if I grew up in any other city, I would have gotten as like deep involved as I did discovering that I'm fucking like 10 miles away from Richard Ramirez or whatever. Like that was a big deal. I was like, yeah. wow, this is, I gotta do this. Like, yeah. I want to ask you about that too, is the, the Texas noise. What, what is it that you think characterizes that type of Texas noise? Cause it gets that phrase gets used a lot. And I kind of have some ideas, but like, what is it to you? And how did you, how did, how do you place you? Like, did they accept you? Were you doing noise at the time? How did they place you in there? Uh, no. Cause I didn't really talk to him at first. Honestly, okay. I didn't get to know most of the Houston crew till after I left. Okay. Cause I was so young and kind of just yeah. nervous and like, you know, we were talking about earlier, like thinking Richard Ramirez is fucking this crazy bondage art guy, you know, like I didn't know how to approach that being like 15 year old runaway who just sort of sits on a computer all day. So every yeah. time I'd hear about a show at like super happy Funland or Southmore house, I would like, I think I only went to one and I just like stood outside and left early. Cause I was just like too nervous. Yeah. Especially being young and you know, everyone's like older and weird. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to do in a room full of like drunk 30 year olds at a noise show. You know, <laughs> I was like, Oh, maybe mom come pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I mean, they were receptive and very cool once I started doing more shows. I mean, the first big fest I booked, uh, Richard and GX from the Haters played together. Uh, it was a free event. They both just came on their own time to this random kid's fucking show and had a great time, you know? They didn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Novak, TEF, is, like, probably my favorite of the Texas crew. He's always been really supportive. Obviously, Greg. You had Greg on here. Yeah. Greg, if anything, if anybody personifies Texas noise, it's either him or Goat. Uh, Dude, it's yeah. just the pure rowdiness and like there's something about Texas noise has this level of like it, it's similar to me in the way that like incapacitants are like salary men with real jobs who just like go ape shit at night and I yeah. feel like that's kind of the Texas vibe I yeah. like the Texas vibe is a lot of these like older weird dudes who like are pretty reserved most of the time like Andy from goat is very normal one time he brought his fucking like wife and stepson to the show <laughs> and threw a metal table right in front of him almost hit him <laughs> it's like they show up they're the most normal guys in the room and then they just go ape shit and then they're yeah. done and they're like that was my night I did my thing I'm yeah. going home uh, I feel like that's totally Greg is totally a family man. He's like a very he's a businessman. He's like probably yeah. one of the only he's the only noise level I've ever done a release for who's mailed me a check yeah. for like earnings. And I was just like, a check? Like, yeah, first yeah. of all, you're paying me. <laughs> but you're paying me by a check. <laughs> you got a fucking LLC, man. <laughs> like, yeah, man, yeah. he's serious like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I appreciate I feel like a lot of I feel like Texas noise, particularly that kind of area is the yeah, it's like really kind of like straight i don't want to say like macho but it's just like it's like just mm -hmm. like hey we're straightforward we're like yeah it the, the noise is heavy it's not like too convoluted or or mm -hmm. or like subtle it's just fucking good and heavy and loud yeah. and it there's and very the little subtlety there's, and like there's not many ambient intro to the loud cut up part it's just like let's just do well, that part yeah, and the, <laughs> it's, yeah it's, and it's all guitar it, solo it's uh, he, texas noise is the guitar solo of our choice yeah and, the, and and the people are down to earth <laughs> and straightforward and like uh you know I, I i really like that i really i think data drumming is like one of my favorite labels i mean i just think just in terms of how they operate how greg runs it 
from his mm. personal taste. Also, how he runs it with artists. I I just always like also not not trying. N- Texas Noise also seems to have zero zero interest in trying to be cool or like yeah appeal. yeah exactly like it, it just Texas Noise like, feels like it would exist if we all stopped listening. It would just keep going. Exactly, it's not falling into trend. I think or, I think if all of us collectively organized a Richard Ramirez boycott, he would still put out ten new side projects tomorrow. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like that. These people are so drawn to do it that like everything else is just blank. They don't see anything, but like we're making this. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. And I think Greg's the same way. I mean, he's trying to run like a pro, almost like company level music label. But I'm positive if the next Greg tape sells zero copies, he's going to release another one. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I yeah. I put on the Discord. I asked people if they had questions for you, and mm. I got a lot of people just like someone wrote here. If it wasn't for Johnny, I don't think I'd be playing noise today. He was the first person to book me and has continued to show support over the years and put on shows. Put me on shows. Well, Despite how some people feel about him, I still love the guy. Looking forward <laughs> to seeing him next month. Oh. A lot of comments oh. like that. And also another guy um, wrote, I just remembered I used to run a night level called Far From Showbiz. Oh, fuck the- yeah. Far From Showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> With a friend in the early 2000s. If I remember correctly, we released a Breakdancing Royal Reagan album in 2004, 2005, maybe. Yeah, I think so. It was like 04, 05. It was like when I was very new, and I want to say it was one that was like mostly computer noise. Because I, I, cl- I clearly know, recall approaching it as a curious oddity at the time without giving it much thought, but it was wild even then compared to the plethora of weird noise that was coming out at the time, early MySpace days. Mm, yeah, that was the era. And it was weird. It was weird sounding noise because I was just really. There is something to be said about like nowadays. I guess I'm kind of a gear guy. I like cool pedals. Yeah. When I go to a show and I see the right pedal board, I'm like, oh, this is probably be sick, you know. Yeah. But there is something to be said about noise that's made by people who don't know the fuck they're doing. That's just sure. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely not saying what I did back then was amazing, but I listen to it now and I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Like, because yeah. I was just such a fucking idiot that I was just like. <laughs> turning everything every which way, trying to make any sound I could make using like fruity loops, a practice amp, like one pedal. I was like, I don't know how, like I knew what noise sounded like, but uh, I was like, I don't know how to make this. I'm just going to try though. And it was just nonsense. And it was kind of sick. I found a track recently that I kind of just want to re-release. It's like my first like proper, like long form noise track. It's like a seven minute thing that I remember I spent like months on it kind of sucks, but it kind of rips. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just the weirdest, like, what are you doing? Like, why is the audio cutting out at random on the left side? What is this oscillator noise? Like, why is it too loud, but then, like, so loud the audio just starts clipping out of existence? Like, what yeah. What happened? <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how did you transition from being, like, not knowing what you're doing to what you're doing now? Because the sunk cost stuff, at least, Whoa. is very, very, it's very, very technically proficient, very, like, sonically... Uh, experience. You, I mean, practice, experience. It's been, yeah. It took a long time. I mean, so I you were trying. To, you were trying to do that. I mean, you weren't just. You haven't just been going through these years, being like, "Oh fuck it!" Like, I'm just gonna. No, I've always wanted to just get better at it in general. Uh, I mean, if anything, that's what, in some ways, motivated not only the performance aspect, but like the the shitty like being trolly online is like. It's so much, and that's why I don't really respect people who who are, like, edgy anymore, is, like, realizing as an adult, like, it's such an easy cop-out to just, like, instead of being notorious for being talented, what if you're just notorious for being really mean? It's so easy. (laughs) 
I, I, I tell people even now, like every time I practice or work on a new noise tape or whatever, I'm like, it'd be so much easier if I just went online and said like a bad word. Yeah. <laughs> More people would know what I'm up to if I was just a fucking asshole than if I was like trying, you know? And when you're a kid, you take the easy route. <laughs> And it's the same thing with the performance. I mean, I do the performances I do because I love doing them. It's fun. But also, I mean, I was telling Gray about this on Noise Extra because he was like, it's crazy that you just like put it all out there. You're like naked, jerking off. I'm like, that's the easy part. Playing noise that's good is fucking hard. Yeah. Fucking once your dick's out, your dick's out. The set's fine. You know? Right. <laughs> but true. you put me in front of gear and I just have to keep you engaged for 15, 20 minutes. That's a lot of work. Uh, so sometimes I'm like, what if I just show my butt? <laughs> Yeah, but it seems like you're focused on doing both, and then 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 you're really like a- the Masada video, Kingdom of Noise, where I think it's on the Kingdom of Noise one, where he just shows his shaker box and kind of explains his setup a little bit. That was kind of my big one, where I was like, oh, that's how they do it, and from there, kind of figured out what things sound like, etc. Cool. I've never I've never seen that. I never knew about that. That sounds awesome. I, I think it was in Kingdom of Noise. I don't remember. It was in one of the old like back in the day, you know, early YouTube video rips of noise. Yeah, and because well, he shows like the shaker, he like opens it up, and I think he shows a couple of his pedals and stuff. Cool. And that was the first time I had it just like explained to me by somebody who like sounded like what I wanted to sound like. Yeah, I was like, dang, that rules. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like you focus on both. And I think that's really cool that you know you do the because yeah, I mean I've seen a lot of people over the years do crazy stuff on stage and. The noise, and I mean, cocky SP. Yeah, I mean, or they just don't just record like, at all sometimes. Yeah, there's so many yeah, projects yeah. that are just a live project and they do nothing else. And yeah, I'm like, damn, I kind of want a CD of this though. I want to know what happens in the studio. I mean, I think recording's more exciting as a concept. Mm-hmm. As much as I love the live set, and you can kind of do anything with a live set. When I see someone do something like a, uh, uh, you remember fucking bastards from back in the day? They were like a another weird costumey noise act. Is it like uh, pronounced? Is it like spelled weird? Yeah, it's like F C K N E S T R D S, something like that. They're from like I don't know, from fucking European place. Uh, but they they were when I whenever I saw footage of them, they were a very visual act, and I was like, damn, I gotta know what this sounds like recorded. And recorded, it's great. It's just fucking nonsense. Like cool. it comes from no standpoint that makes sense. Or like smelling quim, smelling quim, yeah. were huge to me when I was like learning about noise. Yeah. And kind of same thing. You see the ridiculous art. You see the ridiculous presentation. And the fact they translated it to a ridiculous album is like, I love this. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Ron Lassard, I will give credit for being the guy who sent me probably one of my first like favorite noise albums and one of the first noise albums I ever heard that I hated. <laughs> so I did a trade with Ron where I just sent him one of my CDs when I was like 14 and I just ripped out a bunch of my pubic hair and put it on the CD to which he responded in the email, thanks, I'm wearing your pubes right now. I was like, thank you, Ron. <laughs> uh, but he sent me back, two of the things he sent me back, Diameter of Elvis's Colon by Smelling Quim. When I heard yeah. that, I was like, that is still to this day is one of my favorite noise CDs ever. It's yeah. one of the pure ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he also sent me one of the like Thurston Moore guitar drone whatever CDRs. Yeah. That was the first time I heard like a noise thing, and I was like, "Damn, this sucks." Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Thurston. I'm sure he's a nice man. I've never really listened to Sonic Youth, but that uh, turned me off. I was like, "Damn, yeah. this is the first time I've disliked noise." I feel like when you're young and new to noise, it's all sick. Right. Like every any fucking idiot can plug in a metal zone, and you're like, "Yes." Right. You know. For sure. So really, it's like. Props to Thurston for being the first man to make me hate a noise album. 
how, how, how seasoned were you at that time? Like a couple years in or something. Okay. Yeah. That's when you start to, I think. Yeah. Start to figure out like, I kind of don't like this. I do like this. Yeah. Like that's when I started discovering like power electronics and I was like, ah, there's so much about this. I like, and there's so much I just absolutely hate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like, you know, death pile or whatever. Yeah. The good piece. Good. But Oh my God. It's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so someone, someone asked, uh, they wanted to know, well, okay, back to kind of performance related. Someone wanted to know, um, how do you find the courage to do what you do on stage? Uh, I was terrified for like 20 years and just did it one day. <laughs> oh, once it's done, it's done. That's what it comes down to. They can't see your dick twice. Uh, you only got one of them, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, once it's done, it's done. Uh, that's really it. It's just also like, I mean, of course, there's moments where I like last minute of the show. I'm like, do I really want to do this? You know, like I have my doubts still to this day. I don't show up confident that like this is the best decision I've ever made. Um, but yeah, I think that's really it. The first time I got like fully nude and that's really all I did. I didn't do anything else crazy. Was it INC in 2021 or two? 22. Really? So recently? Uh, yeah, it was recent. I've just been so active lately that it feels like forever. Like I played with a friend of mine from Texas recently and he was like, oh, I've seen your dick a hundred times. I'm like, no, you haven't. Yeah. Like, you literally haven't. Yeah. But I've just, I've gaslit the noise world's brain into being like, oh yeah, we've always seen Johnny naked. I thought that. <laughs> I was just like, I thought that. No, I just normally, the only thing I would do is like maybe like shirt off, do the like sunglasses thing, kind of posture, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was only like a year ago that I fucking dropped trial the first time. I was so nervous about it. Not so much. I don't care what people think of my body, but I was nervous people would be like offended or like uncomfortable. Because, you know, people have like sexual traumas and stuff and I don't want, you know, to like trigger that in anybody. Right? I don't want people I, I, to I take my that, presence as like threatening. Yeah, I mean, you know? I do find that pretty interesting because you seem to be kind of someone who's fairly considerate to those kind of things. Um, nowadays, I mean, I'll be the first to say I was not before. Sure, but uh, nowadays, I, mean, I get the sense, but at the same time, you're going in a direction which also nowadays, you have to admit, is kind of not oh, as... It's treading, uh, it's treading dangerous It's treading water, certain yeah. waters, and, and it, I don't think it's as easy or, or tolerated to, to do a naked noise set now as it was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. In terms of like, well, part of it is the people I book are not like an all white dude, straight dude show. So that already adds to it as I think people understand this is not coming from the perspective of like a cis, straight, normal, quote unquote, guy. Like, I'm not just some like creepy fucking Patrick Bateman dude on stage or whatever, you yeah. know? But also, I've always told people I. I'm not the best about doing like the content warning thing. I try to, but some sets for sure. I've just sort of not forgotten to say it. And like, yeah. I hope nobody was upset that they got surprised by obscene content or whatever. But I generally always try to tell people before, during and after, like, this is what's going to happen. If you don't like it, that's totally cool. And if you need to talk to me about it after, that's also totally cool. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple of people who were like offended by it and that's like totally valid. Like they have every right to be, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's uncomfortable for me. That's that's really my defense when people are like, I don't know, the whole, like, you jerking out with sandpaper, that's a bit much. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I'm the one doing it. It hurts. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> Rubbing myself raw. Yeah. 
Another person on Discord wanted to know, what's your favorite budget pedal for noise? Oh, my God. That is a good question because I've always been a budget pedal guy. <laughs> I've only recently bought a few nicer things. Like, I've always been a fucking, you know, Behringer or whatever. I mean, yeah. I hate I hate that my answer is going to be the obvious one to anyone who, like, buys fuzz pedals. What's going on like in the near future and in, in, in LA and in, in terms of shows? I mean, you, you seem to be very, very active. Uh, I'm fairly, I'm trying to scale it back a little. Cause last year I really dived in. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to book a fest this year. I'm mm. still deciding. Cause mm. as fun as it was last year, it was also like, I mean, it's a lot of work. It always is. 
And there was a part of me that was like, back in the Austin days, I would put so much energy into that stuff. I, I think that's why when I left, I ended up kind of hating it a little bit for a while and almost wanting to just quit entirely because I like overexerted myself. And I want to try to balance that better and not like, like if it's not fun for me to be doing those shows, why am I doing them? You know? Right. Uh, but there's stuff coming up. I mean, I'm booking some, I'm playing some. Uh, there's a couple weeks from now, I'm playing this thing out in Joshua Tree that's like an outdoor experimental festival. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the one with the cowboy mode set, spoiler alert. Cool. <laughs> and uh, later in April, uh, Handbag Factory, which is like a legendary spot out here that's been closed since like a month or two pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. They're reopening. I don't know if long-term, but they're doing like a three-day fest that's like, that's going to be a big deal. It's going to be like all the hits of LA noise. Like everyone's going to be there. It's going to be great. Uh, and then April, the only other big thing I've come out late April, I'm going to end times, uh, playing that yep. one this year, me and my partner, uh, Emmy, who goes by slime queen bingo. We have a project together called Kiwi cube. That's playing. Uh, I, I don't know how to hype it up because it could be, we've done sets that were just like pretty good noise sets. We've done sets where I got my crotch tattooed while they played. Oh. Uh, and we've also, notoriously, I think almost every set we did together either started or ended with a huge fight okay. because I'm impossible to work with. There's a reason I've always been solo. <laughs> I'm the worst guy to have a project with. I'm so fucking manic and annoying and emotional. And I'm like, chances are I'm going to book us 10 shows and then day of I'm going to not want to play any. And then I'll get there and one thing will be slightly wrong and I'll be like, I'm going to fucking kill myself. I'm out of here. Yeah. And then the next day I'll be like, let's play tomorrow. Let's yeah. do it again. <laughs> <laughs> But we're playing that, and that's going to be a blast. I love End Times, Bob Rules. That's probably consistently been the best noise fest I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Have you played it yet? You need to play it. No, I haven't. I I never have. We ever. haven't even played together yet. No. no I think no, every no. time I've been to, where are you from? Minneapolis? Minneapolis. Yeah, every time I think I was in Minneapolis, I don't think you were there. I think it was, because I know you were floating between for a while. Yeah. No, so I, I thought that was funny. I was like, damn, I don't think I've ever actually met this dude, but we've probably been in the same rooms with the same people. Definitely I've played probably with every Minneapolis person you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had are a meltdown you, last time I was in Minneapolis. I freaked out. Are you are you connected with like or were you connected with like Monsters of Pot? Do you remember uh, them? Uh no, actually, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember who I went through last time. I think last time was fucking uh Street Panic. Yeah. Are you yeah. mad at me now? He says he says I cold shouldered him because I didn't want to talk about my bloody minded shirt. But I think I was just setting up. <laughs> oh, you mean obviously, my shoulders, my shoulders warm, man. Okay. My shoulders warm <laughs> as fuck. But I think literally he was like that guy. He was a diva, and I'm like I think I was just stressed out, and I was like I think at the end of the night I just started crying because I was so stressed out. Uh. It's like, but oh, that's a thing people need to learn, not just about me, but in general. Every noise guy I've always thought at the beginning was like too standoffish or like an asshole i just came to find out was just like psychotic (laughs) like they were just like i remember the first few times i met rusty kelly in austin i thought he was always like too cool to talk to me or something because he didn't come out a lot i didn't see him around uh but then one day i ran into him at a grocery store and i just said hey rusty hey rusty he was like (laughs) and i was like oh man I get it now. You're just very shy. <laughs> <laughs> and so many noise people who I thought were like assholes or like shitty to me. I've come to realize just were fucking weirdos who didn't express themselves. Well, myself included. That's true. I think it's, yeah, I think it's uh, important to remember to give people a benefit of the doubt and 
they're probably just if someone's acting weird or well, it's so cliche you, to say I don't like something. I don't like being the guy who's like you got to be crazy man to make noise, but yeah. like I'd say there's a pretty high crossover of craziness in the noise scene. So you really do gotta assume when you meet someone, you're not. This ain't a fucking. This, this guy ain't got a CEO brain, man. This, is, <laughs> this guy's on some other shit that doesn't make no fucking sense. <laughs> you know. What what um, what would you characterize as being some of the main differences between what's going on in the noise scene now versus, say, like 2010? Uh, I mean, I think just most of us have fucking matured. <laughs> That's the biggest one. I think we're all kind of better people nowadays. I think people are starting to be more comfortable with like who they are. I mean, I made a post about this recently that just like I have been mostly so warmly received for doing these like weird deviant ass sex pervert fucking sets or whatever. Just like fully open book expressing every aspect of my character, personality, my body, my mind. And everyone's just been like, that's chill. You know, and I think that's sort of changed. I think back in like the late dots, early 2010s, we were still a little closer to like a Gen X mindset of being like sort of progressive, but not really getting it. I feel like the difference is 2010 Johnny would say, 2010 Johnny and 2010 Johnny's noise scene would say, I like gay people, but I don't want to kiss them. <laughs> 2023 Johnny and Johnny's noise scene would say, come out tonight, I'm sucking dick on stage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have advanced and it's great. Sucking dick, okay. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorical or literal, sometimes both. Also, you know, I, I made the joke a thousand times, noise shows, live music, is all just jerking off anyways. Cut out the middle, man, just start jerking off. Do you think it's more, <laughs> do you think it's more uh, unified or more sp- splinter than it was back then? Uh, I think it's feeling a little more unified. Uh, I mean, there are splinters, and there's still people who don't like me, and there's people I definitely don't like. Uh, and sometimes I do see a flyer where, like, I'm a little disappointed that it's, like, a good friend of mine playing with someone who's, like, really not cool with me or whatever. That still exists. That's going to exist in every scene. But I, I don't know. I've just come to realize, like, the community's grown. I think COVID helped. I think COVID was kind of a big reset button. I think we were at least the era I was in Denver briefly before COVID hit. Like that was kind of my transitional period between Texas and here. I was up there for about two and a half, three years. And there was a point where shows became such a chore. There were so many little micro dramas, little scene things. Uh, and it just sort of stopped being fun. And I feel like being without it for like two and a half years really refreshed everyone's brain and kind of put the priorities to the forefront of like, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is the compromise I'm comfortable with. And I think people have gotten better about like problematic people can learn from their mistakes and play shows now rather than being fully exiled. But at the same time, I think people are comfortable setting boundaries more and saying, this guy's a fucking asshole. Like, I don't want that here. You know? Yeah. And in the past, I think I would have just sort of let all or nothing fly would be my mindset. And I didn't know what to do and how to manage what I'm comfortable with, with whatever my boundaries are or other people's. And I think we've all gotten collectively a little better about boundaries, comfort zones, just figuring out how to like make friends, (laughs) things like that. I think it's gotten better. And I think I just feel the noise scene has at large is less malicious lately to others and to itself, because there's been plenty of times noise is like eating itself almost. Right. 
Like there was an era, I feel like there was an era where, I mean, cause I started what I, what was really active when I started was like that, like early aughts West coast scene, which was very, you know, zone trial fads, lots of pedals, lots of freaking out on stage. Yeah. And I feel like there was a time where that people got tired of that and they were like only into serious. Then they were like only into funny again. And then there's like back to serious. I feel like there was a label where, or there was a, there was an era where labels in like the late 2010s, early 2020s started becoming all black and white images of skulls again or whatever. And just like anti fun. I remember someone heard a tape of mine, not naming any names, but <laughs> the, I know they, they saw the tape on a shelf at a store and they picked it up and they're like, Oh, this is probably some funny shit. Right. And I'm like, what if it is? What's wrong with that? <laughs> And I feel like we found a really good balance lately where I, anything I go to that's like a harsher bill is still fun. It's not all arms crossed with like a fucking swastika projected behind them or some stupid shit. But at the <laughs> same time, if I go to the funny show, I still see people who are like very passionate about listening and making noise and like know yeah. what they're doing, even if their performance is more about like the visual uh, accompaniment or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think the balance is getting better and I'm really pleased with it. I mean, end times, you know, pat on the back for them. Bob recently added my friend Jackson, who has always helped with the fest. I don't know if you know him, Jackson, JHK is his project. Oh yeah. He's like kind of co-producing the fest now. And I think they've come up with a really good mix of like, Bob's got the older heads and the more academic people. Jackson's got more of like the younger rowdy crowd. Jackson's got this like gore grind background. So there's like a lot of crossover happening and it's all been done in a way that I think I think people did it before, but I think people are getting better at it now. I feel like back in the day, a mixed bill noise show would be like, let's put all the quiet people first. Let's put all this here. And now I feel like when you go to like a mixed bill noise show, you get a little of everything, every set. It doesn't feel like this is the serious guy's part. And then later in the night we get harsher or the harsh guy opens because that shit's dumb. And then the real shit happens later. I feel like the dumb shit and the real shit is just every other set. It's perfect mix. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's good. Good to hear. Well, um, glad to hear things are popping across the U.S. It seems, but particularly in L.A. I, I think love, so. Yeah, I'd love I'm, to visit LA. I feel like I just go online and I'm pleased with everything I see. Like, there's always something cool being announced. I'm yeah. very happy with it. Definitely. Anything else you'd like to shout out or add before we? I'm tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> I also got an eight-hour workday ahead of me. Uh, oh, no, you're I'm good. Okay. I think. Yeah, I'm working from home today. Okay. Uh, no, I'm good. I, this is. Uh, I'm just gonna chill and eat my chips. And oh, thanks for having me. Hello, internet. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. It was a pleasure. No. Oh. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Cheers. All right. If you head over to the Patreon now, you can check out the full content of the episode where Johnny goes Hollywood and gives us some nice gossip dish on Noise's biggest stars. He also talks about his favorite budget pedals and about his Sonic and Family Guy fascination. That extended video is on the Patreon at everyone who subscribes at the five euro a month level called WCN TV. Johnny was also cool enough to donate an unreleased sunk cost track, which you're hearing actually in the background right now for Patreon supporters. So everyone in the Maniac Circle will be able to download that. For those who haven't noticed or uh, been made aware, there is a new schedule for the podcast now in effect, meaning that public episodes like this one today happen on the first and third week of every month. On the second week is a Patreon-only WCN-TV episode 
which is going to be a lot of after blasts where I follow up with guests I've previously interviewed. So I have one coming up with Pat Yankee very soon. I have one coming up with Jim Harris very soon and uh, more in the works. So that'll be a WCN TV content uh, episode every second week of the month. Then the last week of the month will be the White Snappy Noise video party, which is basically where Patreon supporters, previous guests on the podcast, White Snappy Noise label alumni get together on a video feed and uh, talk about a certain topic. It's pretty loose, but I guess I'm calling it a workshop from now on, just in the fact that we're going to have uh, more specific focused topics of conversation. That'll happen the last weekend of each month, and then the recording of it will be available for Patreons who were not there, also at the WCNTV level. So that means weekly content is still coming out, but you've got to be signed up for the Patreon to get access to all of it. I've also made some updates to the Maniac Circle level, which is 10 euros a month. I'm going to be offering people more of a chance to get involved with the podcast, which can mean submitting content, submitting videos, submitting noise, submitting questions, and also sharing a lot of information and behind-the-scenes stuff about the podcast and the label on the Discord, which is a fantastic place to network and chat with people who are fanatics about this stuff. I've also made some changes to the 25 euro a month level, previously called uh, Heavy Sponsors, now including Noise Fiends. I'm giving access to a private ongoing distro list that's updated as items are coming into my shop, and I'm putting them there, a shared Google Doc that people can check out and order things before they hit the shop. So if you're someone who likes to order from the distro and have had issues with reserving things in time. I've never done reservations in the past because I just can't keep on track of it and it's just too much to handle, but this is a way for me to offer reservations and pre-orders to a small group of people as a thank you for their generous support. I'm also going to be giving out more of the merch gifts at that level. So whenever it's possible with every episode, I want to give away some sort of item. I'm giving away this cap. Right now, in a minute, there will be a post on Patreon for those heavy sponsors and noise fiends. Whoever comments first can get the cap. All right, I think that's about it for now. Um, there's a very good chance I'll be taking the next couple weeks off White Sentry Noise entirely as I take some time to get situated with my family and spend some time focusing on that. I'll be back very soon. Um, I really appreciate your support in the meantime and uh, take care and we'll see you soon.